Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Well, it's a great honor this morning that I get a chance to be among uh, the fellowship, my, my, fam- my freedom family. How many are glad that you have a freedom family you can come to? Every Sunday, you guys look amazing this morning. Look at you, getting all prettied up and studlied up. You look good this morning. God bless you guys. This morning, I get to sit back and I get to enjoy one of my favorite speakers, that I absolutely love to hear. Um, she is. Um, she gave me the wonderful privilege of getting to marry her 22 years ago, and I'm privileged to be able to introduce to you um, Reverend Elisha Cruz. Come on up here. Wasn't that just an amazing time of worship this morning? Oh, I just, I love the presence of God, and it never gets old for me, just being in his presence, and it's just so thick in the atmosphere, and I could just sit and soak in that all day. Um, Bailey, thank you for leading us in that. Um, While I was sitting there and just praying and just worshiping, and I wanted to come to the altar and start praying for people, but I felt like the Lord was like, I just need you to hone in right now and just be here in this moment in my presence. And um, Joel 2 came to mind. And and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And I'm just like, Lord, this is what we're hungry for. Lord, this is what we need. And as I was preparing um, my message for this week, I just was kind of stumped for a little bit for a couple weeks on, Lord, what, what do you want me to speak on? What are you speaking to me? And he brought me uh, to the story of Joseph. And as kids, I I thought about this, you know, as kids, we think, what is our future going to look like? I was a dreamer as a kid. Like, I love to dream about my future. Like, I love to imagine what it would be like, what movie star I was going to marry, (laughs) right? Practice writing my name, my married name many times. It wasn't who I thought I was going to marry. I didn't marry Fred Savage. I was was in love with the Wonder Years boy. Then it moved on to Kirk Cameron later, my teen years, right? (laughs) Yes, I was 80s, 90s kid. (laughs) But as kids, we dream and we imagine what our future will look like. And we're hopeful. And we have a ton of questions. I see that now with uh, teenagers. What what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to be. Things start to change, right? When you hit those college years, you start really wondering, okay, now I'm paying for my future. I got to make this count. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And there's some kids that just hang out in college for many years and go deep into debt because they're just trying to figure out who they are and what they want to be. And we're afraid that we're going to make the wrong choice. Maybe our choices kind of steer us off from the path that we once thought we would follow. Or maybe the schooling that we endured helped us really hone in and focus on what it is that I'm supposed to do with my life. Maybe your passion has changed or maybe you are following your dream. I remember at the age of five, I told my parents, I'm going to marry a pastor one day. Now, my parents were not pastors. I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that ministry was where God had called me, and I felt that since I was a child. So let's talk about dreams. Because God places a dream in all of us. 
It's what you were created for. And what I love is that God doesn't hide it from us. He's not all like, okay, figure it out. No, that's not who God is. He longs to see us fulfill the destiny that he wrote in a book just for you. So as I was praying, God laid Joseph on my heart. And so I was reading through the scripture and I was pondering it. And then the Lord brought back to my remembrance a book that I read 20 years ago. Now, I know you can't think that I read this book 20 years ago because I look like I'm 20, right? (laughs) I was a very gifted child. (laughs) That was a little loud. I read this book, though, 20 years ago, and the Lord brought it back to my mind. So I have a wonderful office here with my dual heaters that I run, and I turn my office to a nice, balmy 85 degrees. And I cozied in on my couch, and I read this in like two hours, just kind of going back through it. It's just such a wonderful story. The first part of this book is an allegory, which I love allegories. It's a story that represents things. And uh, I'm not going to preach the book to you, but there are some amazing things that I was able to take away, things that I'm like, yes, this is it. And I adopted it for my own, some of the things from here. But there is a story in here, and if you get a chance to read it, The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. And he talks about a man named Ordinary. And I can, I feel that, right? I'm just an ordinary person who lives in the land of familiar. And he is visited by the dream giver who puts a dream into his heart that he has to go on this journey to pursue the dream that that the dream giver gave him. And then the second half of the book is an amazing like teaching and like Bruce He's pretty much your dream coach. You ever have a life coach or a coach, someone who's like just speaks life into you and just pushes you, right? That's what a coach does. They push you onto the next level. And he's kind of like that pusher and, uh, and encouraging you to go after your dreams. But this book changed my life reading it because it allowed me to see the things that God planted in my heart so many years ago And we doubt the dreams that God gave us. And we're just like, there's just no way. There's no way, God, you can do that with me. And so if you get a chance, read this book. Um, But there's some amazing things from it that you can take and maybe apply to your own life. But I want to look at a dreamer named Joseph today. So if you have your Bibles... Turn with me to Genesis 37. If you're not bringing a Bible and you're just looking at it on your device, that's fine. But can I tell you, there's something different when you just open the Word of God. I love the Word of God. It's life-changing. And I love having my Bible with all of its notes, with all of its highlights, with the, the binding falling apart because it's being used. That's the kind of Bible I love to see here. But starting in verse 1, we're just going to go 1 through 11. Joseph has a very long story, and I don't have time to read it all to you today. But if you are familiar with it, you'll, you'll, you'll remember as we go through it. If you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, start in chapter 37 of Genesis and keep going. But Here, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed in the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah and the son of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their fathers a bad report about them. So let's just stop right there. So here's Joseph, and he's uh, out in the fields with his brothers, and his father's wives. He had several wives, concubines. And he brought his father a bad report. So Joseph is already really not the favorite with the brothers, okay? Right? Who likes the tattletale? 
Nobody likes the tattletale in the family. That's why I always threaten my siblings. I'm not going to tell on you. You're going to tell on yourself. <laughs> yes, I was that one. But Reuben, who was the oldest, was actually sleeping with one of his father's wives. Yeah. The Bible's full of stories. Like, I'm telling you, who needs Hallmark? Who needs Lifetime? You got the Bible. You got everything in here that's kind of crazy. And so there's already odd between Joseph and his brothers. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age and made him a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So here's Joseph, he's the dreamer. And these dreams, they were from God. But Joseph was a little young and he didn't quite know how to handle it. I mean, he's 17. Think about, can you remember back to when you were 17? Do you think you handled everything appropriately, right? Did your mouth ever get you in trouble? Joseph's in the same boat. Joseph wasn't quite clear on what this all meant. He didn't see the full picture, much like us, right? We're just the ordinary people trying to figure out a perfect God and his will for us. And God has put a dream in us, something for us that we love, something for us that is just bursting at the heart, bursting at the seams of our heart. And it's hard when you're a dreamer sometimes, right? Because you just want to see it happen. You just want to make it happen. But before Joseph has that experience of seeing those dreams happen, he lands in a pit. So if you go on further into the story, Joseph goes out, um, is sent to his brothers to deliver some stuff to them, and they're out tending to the animals, tending in a field far away from home, and they see Joseph coming, and they plot and plan, and they throw him in a pit. Now Reuben... Remember, remember we just talked about what, what Reuben did? <laughs> Reuben was the oldest. And he still had some pity for Joseph. He knew how much his father loved him. And he was going to go back and rescue him without the rest of the brothers knowing. But the brothers had already schemed without Reuben. And they sold him off. See, there was things that Joseph had to go through. He had to endure. He had to travail through in order to get to that destination point that God had for him. No one wants to be in a pit or a prison. And sometimes we end up in one without knowing what got us there. And that's what I call dream pits. And that's what we're going to talk about today, some dream pits that ensnare us, and they leave us so discouraged that in our journey with our dream, we're just quick to throw the towel in because it's too hard. This isn't what I signed up for. So we're not going to go to a physical pit today, though I did yesterday to get these. <laughs> I did. Uh, literally sunk in the mud. Yeah. I was committed 
So let the Lord really touch your heart today because make it count for these stones. (laughs) But there are dream pits that we need to avoid. Don't tell me that God didn't put a dream in you. At one time, there was something you were so passionate about. You were like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to become. God has put that in you for a reason. And maybe it doesn't look the same now, but that's okay. God changes everything. But the first pit, and as ordinary left the land of familiar, the first pit is the familiar. That is the comfort zone. Familiar, it feels good. It's comfortable. We are happy with familiar, right? I'm happy when I know everything around me and it's just flowing like clockwork. I know what to expect. I I don't like things that are not familiar. I don't like being taken out of that comfort zone. Just recently... I had to go for an interview for um, my ordination to be ordained. Now, never would I imagine I would be doing this. I, even going for the whole licensing was like a huge step for me in as much where I said, I'm done. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to be ordained. I can do anything that any other minister can do licensed. And I was fine with it until the Lord whispered, it's time. I was like, why? I'm doing exactly what you want me to do. It's just to confirm that calling in my life. And he said, it's time. I don't like interviews. I like being in control. When I know what you're going to ask me, I like to have the answer. I don't like not knowing. And so the thought of going into this was like, oh, are they going to ask me this deep theological question? And then I'm going to screw it up. And they're going to be like, Tony, you really need to train your wife. You need to teach her some things because she's theologically not sound. You know, that's what I'm like. I'm going through all of this stuff in my brain. And I am showing up like almost shaking. And I, Tony's like, are you all right? I'm like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. All for an interview where they asked me, so tell me about the call of God on your life. Tell me about your walk with the Lord. And I spent all this time thinking of all of these things that they could possibly ask me. I was trying to cram the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God within a 24-hour period just to make sure that I had it in my brain. Because I thought, what if they they trick me? What if they ask me something that I'm like not too sure of? And then they're going to say, sorry, God's calling us not on your life. (laughs) But we do that, right? When something's not familiar with it, we're just saying, "Mm, I don't know if I can do this because it doesn't feel good. What I love what Bruce Wilkinson says, he says, you can either choose to leave your dream behind or choose to leave your comfort zone. You can't have both. And that's why it's hard because a dream should be bigger than you. It's something that's going to require some faith, right? Right? It's going to require a little bit of grit, and it's going to require you to actually move. You can't have both. You can't stay in your comfort zone and in the land of familiar. Because even as your dream grows and evolves, there's always going to be a push of faith. Always. And it's going to require you to step out of faith to get out of the familiar So the reason why I have these stones is because each stone is going to be a remembrance stone for us. Because when you are in a pit, you got to climb out. So I'm having some nerve issues, so I won't pick up anything heavy, but I have my man, my main man. So... Let me tell you, he is such a trooper. I was like, you know, I, I want to do this. I think I want to do this illustration. I need stones. Okay, what kind of stones? I need bigger stones. Like, he's like, like the size of a brick. I'm like, no, like bigger. And so out back of our home, we used to have this beautiful cornfield. It's 
no longer, they're putting in some sort of manufacturing plant, tomato processing plant. We're not very happy. Anyways, they have dug up the ground and it's huge. They're, well, I don't know what they're, I don't know where all the extra dirt came from, but they dug up the ground. Instead of a pit, there's like a huge mountain now of dirt that they're leveling now and they're going to put something there, but they, it's unearthed all these amazing big stones. So we ventured out yesterday and I thought, it can't be too bad. <laughs> I sunk in mud like to my ankles, literally like was on the verge of falling into a puddle, trying to dig out. I, I mean, my hands were covered in mud. I was trying to dig this stone out and I was like, I don't think I can get this, this is too big. And the dog was having a blast. <laughs> yes, our chocolate covered boy was really extra chocolatey. So this illustration took a lot of uh, work. Yeah, so can you lift up that stone for me real quick? I just want to write something on it. I know you won't be able to see all this, but that's okay. I'll tell you what it says. Oh, oh my. Does it say help me on it? Or? That's what I should have wrote last night. Um, it says push forward. All right, you can put that down. I'll call you back again soon. In order to avoid the pit of familiar, you have to push forward. So what I want you to remember is push forward in your dream. You can't stand still. You can't stay where you're at. You gotta move. You gotta push forward. Second fear, second is fear. That's the pit I thought of was fear. Fear can be paralyzing for some of us. Fear is not a great motivator, right? If you have a coach, you don't want a coach telling you all the things that are gonna go wrong. That's not gonna motivate you to win. It's not gonna motivate you to do anything. Instead, fear robs us. Fear exposes some really deep thoughts that we have, things that are stuck in the corners of our mind. And it makes us question, am I even worthy of this dream? Why would God call me? Why would God even use me? And we begin to doubt that God gave us the dream. And then we refuse to move because we see fear as this huge brick wall that there is no way we can bust through. But can you imagine with me, if you will, that fear, we, we, do you see the brick wall? Now, I want you to know that that's an illusion. It appears real strong. It, it's fortified. It's, it's made of that brick, that rock, that's, and it has all that mortar. Like, there's no way you can just bust through it. You're not the Kool-Aid guy, right? You just can't bust through it. It is a reference. All my 80s kids say, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but just imagine with me, it's an illusion. It's not real. It's what it's made to appear like. Instead, it's just an invisible barrier and all you have to do is set your foot through it. it. Fear is a lie. And the father of lies, the Bible tells us, is Satan. So fear is not from God. So if God gave you a dream and fear is holding you back, then you know that that is not of God and that you have to push forward and you have to step through the invisible barrier of fear because fear robs us of everything that God has for us. Fear is not true. So, honey, I need you again. I, no, no, I need the big one. Well, I'm really hoping that this is going to go the way I, I see it. Okay. I got to read this way. Okay. Wait. 
fear. No fear. Right here. Right next to that one. So we're pushing forward. No fear is allowed. And you might feel fear. You might, right? Telling you, before that interview, I was trembling and I was feeling fear and I physically was like, I'm going to throw up. But I pushed through. Because fear can't hold me back. I would miss so much of what God has for me if I let fear reign and control me. Next, pitfall, the naysayers. Come on, how many, we call them haters now, right? You know what a hater is? Joseph's brothers. (laughs) They were all haters. See, Joseph, he was really quick to share his dream with those who weren't very supportive of him. And they were angry, and they were jealous of Joseph, inasmuch that they're plotting to kill their very own brother. You know, that's pretty rough, right? So just because you get into a fight with your sibling, if they're not plotting to kill you, you're doing good. You're doing better than Joseph. (laughs) Many times, we long for the approval of others, though, that we live and we die by their words. We are so unsure of ourselves that we will put our future in the hands of somebody else and what they will say, what they will speak. Because if somebody believes in me, then just maybe I can do it. But what if they don't? What if they don't see your dream? What if they don't understand your dream? When we we went onto the road, I was like, we traveled as evangelists for seven years before we started Freedom. Nobody knew us. Nobody. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is really big. But God gave us this dream. Do you remember sitting down one night in bed and we just started writing out all the things that God had given us, like birthing in us this dream. And we just started writing it down and we were dreaming together. If you don't do that with your spouse, let me encourage you to do that. Dream big together. Because when we started talking about these dreams and what God could possibly do, I'm telling you the amount of faith that rose up within us was huge. But I can't live and die by someone else's words. I can't let my dream teeter-tot on what somebody else may think of me or say about me. Because when we came off of the road and we went to start a church, people were like, what are you doing? You finally made it. We didn't have to call and ask for bookings. People were calling us. We were booked a year ahead and advanced. Like we knew where our finances were going to come from. And then the Lord kind of just throws all of our juggling balls up in the air and says, will you trust me with this next step? I want you to plant a church. Listen, when they did the church planning talks at all of our district functions, we checked out. Like mentally, we were gone. Sometimes we even walked out and just went to the hallway to talk with friends that we met. You know, like it just wasn't on our radar. It wasn't something that was birthed in us yet. It wasn't a dream. We knew one day we wanted to pastor, but we didn't know what that would look like. Never in a million years would we have thought that God said to plant a church. (laughs) Us too. Us too. Critics will crush your dreams if you let them. And they will crush your spirit if you give them access. But ultimately, it's Almighty God who gives us the ability to pursue the dream. So let me encourage you, surround yourself with other dreamers. You need to find people who will speak life and wisdom and encouragement, and you don't give the naysayers access to your dreams. Because a naysayer or a hater isn't going to have any access to what God has birthed in me. You don't, they don't know. How could they possibly know? Now listen, if you're husband and wife and you don't agree on something, then that's a different story. You don't just pursue and say, well, see you later. That's not how that works, and I'm not <laughs> saying that. Okay? So promoting healthy marriages, healthy communication. But Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fear of man will prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. 
if you're fearing man and you're fearing what they have to say and you're living your life and pursuing your dreams based on whether someone says that you should do that or you shouldn't do that, that's wrong. So remember, I need you again, Tony. You need to surround yourself with dreamers. Any, any stone, middle, medium size. Yeah, that's good. This one's still wet. I have to write smaller. Dreamers. Raise your hand if you're a dreamer. Now look around. Dreamers, you see the other dreamers in the room? Those are the people you want to connect with. If you didn't raise your hand, I still love you. This is dirty. There's a reason why I'm stacking it. I'll tell you later. This is really dirty. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I bet everybody online is just loving this. They're like, this woman is crazy. I am. I'm crazy about Jesus. (laughs) And I'm crazy about the dream that he's given me. And I'm crazy enough to tell you that you need to dream big dreams. Here's the next pit. Are you ready? Delay. Everybody say delay. Delay. Nobody likes that word. We are in a world of instant gratification. We are so used to having things done immediately, instantly. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard for our children, right? You ever have a kid and you have to tell them to wait? It's hard, right? I mean, I've seen meltdowns happen in the grocery store because a child had to wait. And I feel for a parent. I don't judge that parent. I know I've been there. I just want to help them. It's hard. Waiting is hard. But you know what? I'm going to be really honest. I find that as I grow older, it's even harder. We think it's hard for children. No, it's hard for adults, right? I feel like our patience has grown so thin. I know mine has. Delay is hard. And when you feel like your dream's been put on a back burner and somehow God has forgotten you, that leads you to disappointment. And then you figure, why even bother now? Joseph's dreams were delayed. Do you think the minute that he shared his dream with his family that they were going to just instantly bow down to him? For what? No. Joseph was thrown into the pit, later to be sold into slavery. He worked really hard, and he earned the respect of his master, only for his master's wife to lie about Joseph and land him into a prison. And then in prison, he reveals a dream. He's able to interpret a dream. And then he was forgotten about. Even after the man got out of prison and Joseph said, will you just remember me? Two years after that happened, Joseph's still in prison before Pharaoh had the dream. And the cupbearer's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I remember there's someone that can tell you what this means. Two years of delay in prison. But if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the delay, Joseph would have never saved the nations. It wasn't just one nation. He saved nations. Delay is not wrong. It is God's timing. God's perfect timing. That's what I want you to remember, that God's timing is always perfect. And you may not understand why am I, Lord, why have you forgotten me? Why is it not coming to fruition? I've been faithful. I follow you. I tithe. I give. I worship. I watch the kids in the nursery. Amen. (laughs) And we need more nursery workers. 
We do. God's timing is perfect. Will you get me another stone? God's timing, not my timing, right? If I try to make it happen in my own timeline, it wasn't what he had. I could miss the whole thing. Yeah, if you can make it just keep stacking. There we go. God's timing. He's perfect at this. I'm going to keep you around. Our next pit, and I hope you're taking notes. If you're not, go home um, when this is posted online. I want you to just to write it down. The, the, next, the fifth pit is a lack of surrender. You're like, Alicia, what are you talking about? Let me ask you a question. Do you desire the dream giver more than the dream? gave this dream to me. Yes. But do you want him more than your dream? Are you willing to say, God, this is the dream and I give it all to you. I don't want it unless you are in it. I just want you. And I find this one is hard sometimes because God gives us something and we're, we're like, I'm, I'm doing his will. I'm in, I'm in obedience. But do, is your heart right? And that's the thing that we have to watch, right? It's wicked. Our heart is wicked at times. If God gave you the dream, why would he ask for it back? It helps us to evaluate our motive. It helps us to evaluate our pride. Do we desire him more than what he put in us? Because I promise you, the minute that you give it back to him, he can do so much more with your dream than you could ever have thought of. Place it in his hands. He gave it to you for a reason, but you got to give it back to him. Our dreams are more about him and his purpose than what it ever was about us. Surrender it to him and watch and see what he does with it. And you know, I was, I was looking over my notes this morning in my office and I wrote this down and I just, just wrote it down real quick and then Pastor Corey was up here praying because I wrote down, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's what we pray, right? If we're praying his kingdom and his will, That supersedes what I think I'm supposed to be doing or how it's supposed to happen. It's his. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. But you got to commit it to him first. And then last night I was reminded of this verse and it's not going to be up there. But Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've held on to that verse through my college years. Because even when you're in the midst of pursuing God's plan, there are seeds of doubt that come in constantly. Lord, is this the way it's supposed to happen? In as much that I knew that I was going to be a ministry one way or the other. So I came in with my counseling background. That's what I was going to focus on. And then halfway through the year, I'm like, but I just need to serve him. And I switched over to missions. And I'm like, what am I going to do with missions degree? Back over to counseling. <laughs> and I loved how Tony talked last week about staying connected to him. So what I want you to remember is you got to stay connected to the dream giver. So I need another stone. I'm making you work today. I'll buy you some wings for the game later. (laughs) Go green. Go Eagles. (laughs) 
surrender. The only way that I can stay connected to the dream giver is when I surrender. I give it up to you, Lord. It's yours. Come and have your way. I give you my dreams. I give you my hopes. I give you my aspirations, Lord. I give it all to you. I surrender. I just want you. One more pit. And this one's a big one. This pit can be so big and feel like the deepest valley where you're going to encounter a lot of giants. And this pit is called unbelief. There are giants that we are going to face in this, what I would call the valley, because the pit is so ginormous. Unbelief is huge. And there's going to be giant after giant after giant. I promise you, when you are pursuing God's call on your life, you are going to hit giant after giant after giant. But God hasn't called us to live in unbelief. He has called us to walk in faith and be giant killers. We are so afraid that when we come up against this giant, they're like, God is not in this. There's no way that this is God's dream for me. This is not how I'm going to get there. But if you don't walk through that valley, if you don't face that giant, look at David. If he didn't face him, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on. Giants are so big and they're so strong. And sometimes you just don't know how you're going to defeat them. I'm going to just show you a couple giants. There are so many. But these are some of the ones that either I faced or people in scripture have faced. But let's get real for a minute. I'm going to give you a real practical one. You ready? This is going to speak to everybody. Moneyless. That's the first giant, moneyless. Come on. God, how could I do this? I have no money. I have nothing in the bank. When I was getting ready to make a decision about coming here full time, moneyless was a big giant that I had to face. Now, actually, working here, I make more than I did at the school but my kids' private school tuition was covered 100%. That is a big deal. That is a very big deal. And I didn't know what that was going to mean. In as much that I'm, I'm thinking, well, I just got to, I, I know that I'm not supposed to be here anymore, so maybe, maybe I should just go find another job. Still work at the church part-time, but just find another job that will pay even more, that will cover the kids, right? You know, I, I'm a planner, Right? That brain is like constantly going. Anybody else have that kind of brain? It just goes, goes, goes. And you just like, you get so annoyed with yourself because you can't shut it off. All right. Every type A, raise your hand. Yeah. We, will, we will meet together for prayer together afterwards. <laughs> but moneyless, come on. That's real. When we're facing the giant of moneyless, how are we going to pursue this, God? I remember when... <laughs> When we went on the road as evangelists and we went to our first booking and it was this tiny little church. If you tripped at the door, you would land at the altar. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and we're living off of offerings. And they, you know, we preach our guts out. And I sing and my husband preaches and I'm like, okay, God, we're, we're following you. And they write us a check for $125. And that was our pay for the week. And I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> what did you call us to? Because <laughs> how are we going to pay our rent? How are we going to pay our utilities? How are we going to pay for the gas to come and go and eat? Like, how are we going to do this, Lord? It was a giant that we had to face. There's the giant of corruption. Come on, the whole government. I can say it. <laughs> but, look at, but look at Joseph's brothers. They were corrupt men. 
you're going to face some sort of corruption, rejection. Many of us have faced rejection, trauma. There's so many things that it was like, God, there's no way you can use me now. If you see what I've seen and done what I've done or been through what I've been through, trauma is a real giant. And instead of running to the healer, they just run away because they just want safety and security. They don't want to deal with the giant anymore. Darkness. Darkness is a big one. And I'll tell you, every Sunday that I'm up here worshiping, I feel the spirit of darkness hitting hard. Every time I worship, and when I, and before, if you want to pray, I'm telling you, you should join us on Sunday mornings before we even start. One of the things I always pray for is warring angels outside of this building, not allowing any unclean spirit to enter because I'm telling you, in worship, we're hitting some major strongholds. He's a giant. There are so many giants that you face and we can run to either unbelief because we're just afraid to deal with the giants or we can just take our stones and hit it head on. I'm a firstborn. I'm a fighter. But there are times where I just get tired and weak. And I get tired of fighting the same giants. Ministry is hard. But my mother gave me a stone some years ago, and I still have it. And it says Giant Slayer on it. And I know that I may not be much and I'm facing something so much greater and bigger than me. But the word of the Lord is stronger. Joseph endured so much. And please read through his story if you haven't. But in Genesis 50, verse 19 through 20, Joseph said to them, which was his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it to be good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. See, you have to go through the valley of unbelief. You have to face these giants because if I, he's saying, if I didn't do it, God is using this to accomplish something because if I didn't go through this and didn't get to this point, I wouldn't have been able to save these lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. But when I'm facing giants, this is the verse I think of. This is the scripture I go to. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Come on, that's where the battle's at, guys. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it does come from my friends, you are going to be able to stand your ground and after after you have done everything to stand, you stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You take on your helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. And Pray in the spirit. And what that's what we were doing this morning. Praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep praying for the Lord's people. Come on. Amen. 
This is what I want you to remember when you're walking through the valley of unbelief, the biggest pit that you could ever walk through, facing craziest giants that you might ever face. You are committing to the journey and you don't look back. One more stone. Commit. Don't breathe on it. So proud of you. God uses ordinary people to defeat huge giants. If Joseph didn't rise to power, the nation of Israel would have starved in the famine, making no room for Moses to come in and deliver them to the promised land. If David hadn't stood up to Goliath, a nation would have been defeated under Saul. If Gideon wouldn't have answered the call, he would have still been hiding in a threshing floor and never would have became one of Israel's greatest judges. Allowing a nation to see how God can defeat the enemy. With Gideon, he didn't have to do anything. They're walking around with lanterns, okay? It was the power of God that defeated the army. God uses ordinary people who are considered the least in order to raise them up to become kingdom builders and world changers. And if there is nothing holding you back with what God put inside of you, with what dream, with what desire do you have in your heart? If you said, if nothing was holding me back, what would you be doing? Ask yourself that. Dr. Seuss's first children's book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street was rejected by 27 publishers. The 28th publisher, Vanguard Press, sold 6 million copies of the book. And all of his children's books went on to sell more than 100 million copies. Michael Jordan, who is, I'm sorry, the best basketball player of all time. All my 80s friends say, whoop, whoop. All right, yep. Basketball superstar Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. He once said, I missed over 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and I have missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life and that is why I succeed. Star Wars. The movie Star Wars was rejected by every movie studio in Hollywood before 20th Century Fox finally produced it. It went on to be one of the largest grossing movies in film history and created a series of 10 films that have won a total of seven Academy Awards and $9.2 billion in revenue. That's all. And then there's the story of a missionary. And you probably have heard of her. Her name is Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth was born in 1926 in Belgium to parents who were missionaries, and then they moved to Pennsylvania where her father could serve as the editor for the Sunday School Times, which produced hundreds of curriculum for churches, for hundreds of churches, curriculum for hundreds of churches. Elizabeth went on to attend Wheaton College where God placed in her a dream to be able to translate the scripture for people who didn't have access to to the word of God. So she studied Greek because that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to translate the Bible for people that lived in the remote parts of the world. And while she was at Wheaton College, she met Jim Elliott. And they both went on to Ecuador after graduation. Now, they served in different parts of Ecuador. And, but then within a year, he joined her in Quito, which I've been there. And it's where he proposed to her. And she accepted his marriage proposal under one condition. They had to learn the Ecuadorian Quechua language before they got married. So they were married in Quito 
1953 and they had a daughter named Valerie. Now Jim felt called to reach people in, in, in the remote parts of Ecuador. And that led him to the Aquas, and I hope I said it right. A people that never let any outsiders in. So they were attempting to make um, contact with them and they, were, they, they flew planes over and helico- helicopters over that would drop gifts and goods and food to them. And then they went in, five missionaries went in, Jim and four other men, and they were speared to death. And after Jim died, Elizabeth and her daughter, Valerie, and um, one of the saints there of the, slain, of the slain missionaries, they lived still in Ecuador. And while living there, Elizabeth learned while Jim, why Jim had been killed. The tribesmen were afraid of outsiders. They thought that they were going to come into their home and take away their freedom. She knew that they were trying to preserve their way of life their liberty, and that they were foreigners and that it was a threat to their liberty. So in their eyes, they felt that they had the right to kill him. She spent years with this tribe. She lived with this tribe. She became a speaker and a writer. But because God had put a dream in her heart, talk about some pits that she had to go through. Her husband, take his life, but she still stayed to reach an unreached people. I actually got to meet the man who was the chief of that jungle tribe, his great-grandson when I went to Ecuador, who was just a little kid. He's actually a compassion student. Elizabeth Elliot could have said, I'm done. My dream is over. My husband paid the ultimate price. He gave his life for these people. But God, but God. Let me ask you a question. These are, these are questions that I want you to ponder. I want you to think about them today. What are you good at? What do you care about? Who do you admire? What makes you feel fulfilled? What do you feel called to? And what do you want to be remembered for? Gifts come with a price. It's never an easy journey. It is worth it. It is freeing, but it is hard. It will push you beyond boundaries that you didn't realize that were holding you back. There will be sacrifice. There will be testing. There will be disappointments. And you may look like you've hit a dead end. But if he gave you the dream, he will see you through it. So why did I pile all my stones up here? I want every pit that I've ever had to endure to become a stone of remembrance. In the Old Testament, they would build altars. And those altars would either be for animal sacrifice or it would be a place where they experienced God. And they would build an altar and they would name the altar whatever it was that God met them there. I want you to take every stone from every pit. I want you to take every smooth stone that you've had to fling at giants. And I want you to build an altar and I want you to name it and say, God met me here and he will meet me again. My dreams aren't going to die on an altar. My dreams are for me to push forward. This altar is not where my dreams come to die. This altar is where I raise my hands up and worship and say, God, I will continue. I will keep pressing forward because you are the dream giver. Will everybody stand with me?
Dreams are near and dear to my heart. It helps you to push forward in what it is that God's doing in your life. God is doing amazing things in your life. And maybe you're like, well, Alicia, you don't know. I've been afraid to pursue my dream. I haven't been pursuing my dream. I gave it up so many years ago. That doesn't mean that it died. It doesn't mean that it has to die. Resurrect it. Breathe life into it. I don't care if you're the youngest one in here to the oldest one in here. God still wants to use you in your dreams. My little girl came up to me, oh my goodness, a few weeks ago. She's like, Mom, I just feel like God has given me this dream of doing this. I don't know how to do this. But she just sees herself feeding the homeless. I'm like, well, sweetie, we keep praying about it and we'll ask God how to make this happen. God gives dreams for a reason, for a purpose. Maybe he's given you such an amazing talent. I look at my oldest son and I am amazed at his talents. He does stuff with music that I can't even, I, I don't know. I just said, can you let me sing with you sometime? God has given him such amazing talents. And I look at my middle child and I see his sensitive heart and he's like, mom, I know God's called me to be a missionary. And this mom will never speak a word that would, that would discredit that or take it away because of my fear for him. No, I'm going to be that person. I won't be the naysayer in his life. I'm going to say, sweetie, if God has given you the dream that he will make a way and he, you will go wherever he has given you a desire, wherever your feet are planted, God will use from the youngest to the oldest. And just because you're retired doesn't mean that your dreams die. If anything, you've got more time now. What are you doing with it? How are you using it? Come on, who are you mentoring? What has God given you to do? It doesn't just lie within your nine to five job. And if God's giving you that dream for that nine to five job, I will applaud you and I will cheer you on. Do what God's called you to do. Do it to the best of your ability. But dream again. We are at a time where time is ticking so fast. A day is no longer a day and a year is surely not a year anymore. I'm blinking and my children are growing up so fast. Time is speeding up. Do you feel it? Don't waste your dreams. Don't waste them. Find a way. Start writing them out. Start brainstorming. Start dreaming again. Do it with your spouse. Say, what is God speaking to you? What are we doing with our lives? How can we make an impact? What what are you passionate about? If you're passionate about cooking, we have a CARES team and they're meeting after church today and they can use you. And I know some of you are amazing cooks and bakers. Whatever God has given you, find ways to start. It might seem small in the beginning and that's okay. Come on, raise your hands in this place. Father, I just pray for everybody right now the sound of my voice, that God, you will release your dreams in them again. Lord, for those who are pursuing their dreams, Lord, continue to give them the fortitude, Lord, to continue on, to persevere on. For those who feel like their dreams have stalled or maybe are on delay, show them your timing, God. Show them how you're working things all together for the good of those who love you. Father, I pray that you would surround the dreamers with more dreamers, God. People that will speak life into them. People that will, per- will happily cheer them on and help them to pursue the dreams, Lord, that you've given them. Father, for those who are walking through unbelief and they just said, it's too hard. I've hit giant after giant after giant. I just want to throw the towel in and say, I'm done. God, show them what happens when you come out of the valley of unbelief. 
And for those who have been pursuing dreams, God, and they just don't understand what the next step is, God, you show them. Our dreams are always changing and growing. And what we thought it once was turned into something completely different because we surrendered our dreams to you. Father, we give you our dreams. We give you our hopes. Father, you are tender and you are loving and full of mercy. Rebirth dreams, Lord, that need to be rebirthed. Father, I just pray that, Lord, you would raise up world changers in this room, Lord, that we will change this valley, God, for you, Lord, to build up your kingdom, Lord. Let freedom be a place where an altar is built because this is where we met with you. and We experienced you. We trust you, God. And Lord, for those dreams that have seemed impossible, God, make a way where there is no way. We build an altar to remember, God, what you have brought us through and how you will be faithful to see us to the end. In Jesus' name. My, my desire is to see you dream again. Thank you so much, Pastor Alicia, for that wonderful word. How many of you guys got something from the Lord this morning? Dream again. Let me encourage you to dream again. Find that thing that you've been tucking away. And pull it out again and say, God, show me how to do this again. God has something for you. Amen. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't have a dream that God hasn't given them. Trust me. As your pastor, it will be my joy to watch it unfold. Amen. Look around you. There's people all around you. There's dreamers all around you. Find somebody that has a, a similar dream and say, I want to dream with you. Will you dream with me? And find that person. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for this word and your word. That is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Bring up and raise up dreamers, I pray. That, Lord God, they would, they would find their fortitude in the, the magnitude of God's goodness. Not in our gifts and our abilities. And that we can nestle up and, 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 uh, with our own abilities and say, I'm good enough to do this by myself and, and not include anybody. But, Lord, that you would actually put us in a place where we can change the world like Joseph did. He went into the pit, to the palace, to all these places, even into the prison. But Lord God, at the end of the day, he saved nations. Nations because he stayed to, stuck to his dream and believing. I'm sure he had those moments of doubt, but God, he stuck to it. And I pray you would give that to us as well in Jesus' name. Amen.